0: This is the Bible Book Club, where each episode we dive deep into the only book written 2,000 years ago that can still change your life today. Welcome to the club. Last time was chapter 11. And in that chapter, if you've not listened to the last episode, I want to give you a little heads up. Everything we're about to talk about in this episode is very closely tied to it. So in case you're out of order, you probably want to go back because you might be a little bit confused if you didn't listen to episode six. So, but now we're in episode seven, but back in episode six, we were doing purity in law school. Purity law school. <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to go to law school once, but yeah. now I'm in it. So We're no longer in ritual law, we're in purity law. Yes. Yes. And we were reading the laws for ritual purity. The first thing we learned is that purity is not always what you think. It is most often not even a sin, but unclean, naturally occurring conditions that just require a cleansing by washing in ceremonial ritual. An example would be accidentally touching a carcass of an unclean animal. The concept of pursuing purity set Israel apart from the other nations as they sought to be as holy as God is holy through purity. So in chapter 11, we read and discussed the first laws for purity, which pertain to animals, which animals are clean, Which animals are unclean, which ones you can eat, which ones you can touch, and which you can't correct. Moving on from animals, in this
1: episode, all the remaining ritual purity laws are for people. So the law starts with the human conditions that render a person unclean for the longest period of time, which are the purity laws for childbirth in chapter 12.
0: Yeah. And before I read this, I just want to point out one of my Bible benders from last episode. Was how you pointed out, Susan, that this is being given to the Israelites in the order of which God created the world. First, He created the animals, then He created the people, and He first gave them the rules for the animals. And now He's giving rules for the people. Correct. Love it. Chapter 12, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, a woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. If she gives birth to a daughter for two weeks, the woman will be unclean, as during her period. Then she must wait 66 days to be purified from her bleeding. When the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. He shall offer them before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she will be ceremonially clean from her blood flow. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. All right, there are two parts to these
1: laws. The laws for the uncleanness associated with childbirth, and laws for the sacrifice necessary to restore them to the community is clean. The impurity from childbirth exists because of the loss of life-giving fluids, blood, during and after childbirth. I know this is a weird concept to us, but remember impurity was related to disorder and order and disorder was death. Order was, you know, paradise. Disorder was death and the signs of death or is losing fluids to them like blood. So there's this loss of blood and they consider that impure. The loss of life-giving fluids was related to death and death was not holy. Anything related to death made you unclean impure. Unable to touch anything holy in the tabernacle. It did not in any way mean that childbirth was a sin. Remember what we talked about in the last episode? Impurities were natural daily occurrences most of the time. The Bible is clear that children are a blessing. The good news is that with this impurity, you didn't have to leave the camp because it wasn't catching. <laughs> we're going to get into a lot of impurities where they actually have to leave the camp for a certain amount of days. And the first thing I thought when I read this is, oh, No, don't, don't make them leave their family. In the next episode we will cover more interesting details on the relationship between genital fluids, such as in this case, reproduction and immortality. And that's all in chapter 15. For the rest of this episode, we're going to focus on the impurities that break out on the skin, clothing or a house. And oddly, the breakouts are treated similarly as if anything that spreads on a surface is the same, like (laughs) the wall might be the same as your skin. I don't know. Chapter 13, purity laws for skin diseases. At this time in Israel, the priests function as a sort of health official, spiritually and physically, like for both, the health of both. And because there was little medicine and no hospitals, if there was danger of a disease spreading, the only defense available to them was the isolation of the infected person. Additionally, banishment from the camp also served to protect the Lord's holy tabernacle from being contaminated with impurities. With that understanding, here were the rules, starting with the laws for general skin
0: disease. Chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair on the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines the person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. If the shiny spot on the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the infected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them. If he sees that the sore is unchanged and is not spread in the skin, he is to isolate them for another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again. And if the sore has faded and is not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. It is only a rash. They must wash their clothes and they will be clean. But if the rash does spread in their skin after they have shown themselves to the priest to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again. The priest is to examine that person, and if the rash is spread in the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. When anyone has a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to the priest. The priest is to examine them, and if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned their hair white, and if there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic skin disease, and the priest shall pronounce them unclean. He is not to isolate them because they are already unclean. If the disease breaks out all over their skin, and so far as the priest can see, it covers all the skin of the affected person from head to foot, the priest is to examine them. And if the disease has covered their whole body, he shall pronounce them clean. Since it has all turned white, they are clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on them, they'll be unclean. When the priest sees the raw flesh, he shall pronounce them unclean. The raw flesh is unclean. They have a defiling disease. If the raw flesh changes and turns white, they must go to the priest. The priest is to examine them. And if the sores have turned white, the priest shall pronounce the affected person clean. Then they will be clean. (laughs) A lot of clean and unclean. It
1: was originally thought that these verses um, referred to leprosy. But leprosy has a very slow progression and the damage done is irreversible. So a seven-day isolation Would not fit. Therefore, most of the commentaries do think that these skin diseases were most likely common rashes, like and things like psoriasis, ringworm,
0: herpes simplex, poison ivy, or something. Yes. All right, the next one is boils. Verse 18, when someone has a boil on their skin and it heals, and in the place where the boil was, a white swelling or reddish white spot appears, they must present themselves to the priest. The priest is to examine it. And if it appears to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has turned white, the priest shall pronounce that person unclean. It is a defiling skin disease that is broken out where the boil was. But if when the priest examines it, there is no white hair in it, and it is not more than skin deep and is faded, then the priest is to isolate them for seven days. If it is spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling disease. But if the spot is unchanged and does not spread, it is only a scar from the boil, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. Okay, burns. When someone has a burn on their skin and a reddish white or white spot appears in the raw flesh of the burn, the priest is to examine the spot. If the hair in it has turned white and it appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling disease that is broken out on the burn the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. But if the priest examines it and there is no white hair in the spot and if it is not more than skin deep and is faded, then the priest is to isolate them for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine that person and if it is spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. If, however, the spot is unchanged and does not spread in the skin but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn and the priest shall pronounce them clean It is only a scar from the burn. Sores on the head or beard. If a man or woman has a sore on their head or chin, the priest is to examine the sore. And if it appears to be more than skin deep, and the hair in it is yellow and thin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease on the head or chin. But if, when the priest examines the sore, it does not seem to be more than skin deep and there is no black hair in it, then the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine the sore. And if it is not spread and there is no yellow hair in it, it does not appear to be more than skin deep, then the man or woman must shave themselves, except for the affected area. The priest is to keep them isolated another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine the sore and if it is not spread in the skin and appears to be no more than skin deep, the priest shall pronounce them clean. They must wash their clothes and they will be clean. But if the sore does spread in the skin after they have pronounced clean, the priest is to examine them. And if he finds that the sore is spread in the skin, he does not need to look for yellow hair. They are unclean. If, however, the sore is unchanged so far as the priest can see, and if the black hair has grown in it, the affected person is healed. They are clean, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. A harmless rash. When a man or woman has white spots on the skin, the priest is to examine them. And if the spots are dull white, it is a harmless rash that is broken out in the skin. then are clean sores on a bald head a man who has lost his hair and is bald is clean if he has lost his hair from the front of his scalp and has bald forehead he is clean but if he had a reddish white sore on his bald head or forehead it is a defiling skin disease breaking out on his head or forehead the priest is to examine him and if the swollen sore on his head or forehead is reddish white like a defiling skin disease the man is diseased and unclean the priest shall pronounce him unclean because of the sore on his head Rules for anyone with any of the above infectious skin diseases. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. As long as the Israelite had a disease, they were unclean
1: and must live alone outside the camp. This is severe. I have to wonder, though, what about the kids? I was wondering, they that. what get about the all the time they get ringworm they get they get my kids always were getting something you know at least once a year somebody got something so did a parent have to go with them outside the camp did the did every family have like a spare outside the camp tent for disease days like oh darn honey you're going with them this time (laughs) back up the tent very (laughs) did 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 you just like text your boss and ask for personal isolation time off I don't know. Can I work from a home today, please? Can I work from my other tent? My kid has ringworm. <laughs> I, I don't know how they did this because it would have happened all the time. There was no birth control back then. They had lots of kids. I mean, somebody would be just playing somewhere and get some kind of rash or some kind of scrape. But then, again, blood is exposed just like a, a boil or a sore or something. I don't know. At the time, of course, like I said, the greatest fear must have been leprosy because leprosy causes blindness, nerve damage, muscle weakness, disfigurement, and a slow, painful death. But just as devastating, leprosy was emotionally and spiritually devastating. You were moved from your family and from worship in the tabernacle. Gone was your community and your communion with God. You lived forever as an outcast with no hope of returning. Healing leprosy, is one of the types of miracles Jesus performed several times. But the one in Mark pertains to the what we are reading most as it mentions Moses's commands from Leviticus about cleansing. And, and to me, uh, reading these rules really drove home why leprosy was such a big deal. You were never allowed in the camp again. You lived in those colonies or with other lepers away from your family. Like, I just can't imagine never, and I, I know there's some, in some movies I've seen, there's been like, you know, people go and talk to their sisters, you know, like but can't approach Mm -hmm. like stand far away it's just that So this is interesting. This is
0: one of the miracles that Jesus did in Mark 1. Mark 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleaned. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet, the people still came to him from everywhere.
1: In the New Testament, leprosy is often used as a tangible example of sin, which grows on a person, eventually corrupting the whole body, and spreads, infecting others. In the New Testament, leprosy is often used as a metaphor for sin, because both— grow on a person, eventually corrupt the whole body, and spread, infecting others. It's a wonderful metaphor because purity is more than skin deep. Whether it's sin or leprosy, you can't just wash it off and be done with it. It takes yeah, it requires it takes a change. It requires yes, yeah, a, turn a lot from more. your ways. Yeah. However, leprosy isn't a great example for us today because it's there's no longer a risk. It's not a disease that we have anymore. Exactly. Right? So what's what's the lesson for us? The question then for us is what impurity is growing under your skin? What threatens to corrupt your body, your mind, your spirit? Is it laziness? Does laziness grow? Is it contagious? Can it rob you of a job, health, your relationship with God? What about greed or discontent? Can it grow? Is it contagious? Selfishness? Hatred? Pride? Are these all things that can grow under our skin? Aren't these all things that on the surface seem harmless but can take root in us and grow? Are they not all contagious and can be easily passed to our family members, our friends? Do they not all attempt to To squash the Holy Spirit and destroy our faith. A rash is only skin deep, but sin, like leprosy, is not. Sin permeates to
0: my favorite subject. I was waiting for you to say it. (laughs) So, how do you need to cleanse your heart today? What areas are unclean inside of your own heart? Only you can answer that. You and God, you're the only ones who know. But where do you need to turn from your ways and make a change? Where do you need to guard your heart a little more than you have been? That's exactly. the question for you today.
1: So if you're coming up with a zero, if there's nothing you that comes to your mind that might be growing underneath your skin and um, squelching the Holy Spirit, destroying your faith without even knowing it,
0: pray this verse. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there was any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God will show you.
1: He will. All right. One last little bit here. Purity laws for molds. Molds are considered in the same category as skin diseases, as I mentioned in the beginning. They grow and spread and are not normal, therefore not clean. Therefore impure, dirty pollution and cannot be in the presence of God or in the presence of Susan, I might add. Or me. I have a mold phobia. At this moment, my house is being pressure washed in an effort to win the never ending battle with mold that comes from living in hot humid
0: mid-Florida. Continuing on then in verse 47, as for any fabric that is spoiled with a defiling mold, any woolen or linen clothing, any woven or knitted material of linen or wool, any leather or anything made of leather, if the affected area in the fabric, the leather, the woven or knitted material, or any other article is greenish or reddish, it is a defiling mold and must be shown to the priest." The priest is to examine the affected area and isolate the article for seven days. On the seventh day, he is to examine it. If the mold is spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material or the leather, whatever its use, it is a persistent defiling mold. The article is unclean. He must burn the fabric, the woven or knitted material, or if wool or linen or any other article that has been spoiled, because the defiling mold is persistent, the article must be burned. But if the priest examines it, the mold has not spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material or the leather article, he shall order that the spoiled article be washed. Then he is to isolate it for another seven days. After the article has been washed, the priest is to examine it again. If the mold has not changed its appearance, even though it does not spread, it is unclean. Burn it, no matter which side of the fabric has been spoiled. If, when the priest examines it, the mold is faded after the article has been washed, he is to tear the spoiled part of the fabric the leather or the woven or knitted material. But if it reappears in the fabric, in the woven or knitted material, or in a leather article, it is a spreading mold. Whatever has the mold must be burned. Any fabric, woven or knitted material, or any leather article that has been washed and is rid of the mold must be washed again. Then it will be clean. These are the regulations concerning defiling moulds in woolen or linen clothing, woven or knitted material, or any leather article, for pronouncing them clean or unclean. Thank heavens for bleach; else I'd probably have to burn my house down
1: because the mould appears every year. I love <laughs> bleach; it's my favorite. I know they didn't have bleach.
0: I know how they didn't have bleach. How do we even make bleach? Well, how did they have mould in the desert? It's so dry, right? I. I imagine that anything left wet would become moldy. You know, it doesn't Even matter. Even in the dry desert? I yeah. I mean, if you leave anything wet around mold. I guess mold, they did. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Chapter 14. These are the purity laws for cleansing a skin disease. Now, we read the laws for the skin disease and mold. And now we have instructions on how to cleanse them. The goal is to be clean. The process is complex. It is actually worse than the 2020 process to get a
0: negative COVID test. <laughs> (laughs) Which was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Mm. Chapter 14, the Lord said to Moses, these are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing. When they are brought to the priest, the priest is to go outside the camp and examine them. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease and then pronounce them clean. After that, he is to release the live bird into the open fields. The person to be cleansed must wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, and bathe with water. Then they will be ceremonially clean." After this, they may come into the camp, but they must stay outside their tent for seven days. On the seventh day, they must shave off all their hair, They must shave their head, their beard, their eyebrows, and the rest of their hair. They must wash their clothes and bathe themselves with water, and they will be clean. On the eighth day, they must bring two male lambs, one ewe lamb, a year old, each without defect, along with three-tenths of an ephath of the finest flour mixed with olive oil for a grain offering, and one log of oil. The priest who pronounces them clean shall present both the one to be cleansed and their offerings before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then the priest is to take one of the male lambs, And offer it as a guilt offering, along with the log of oil. He shall wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. He is to slaughter the lamb in the sanctuary area, where the sin offering and the burnt offering are to be slaughtered. Like the sin offering, the guilt offering belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot. The priest shall then take some of the log of oil, and pour it in the palm of his own left hand. Dip his right forefinger into the oil in his palm and with his finger sprinkle some of it before the Lord seven times. The priest is to put some of the oil remaining in his palm on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot. On top of the blood of the guilt offering, the rest of the oil in his palm, the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed and make atonement for them before the Lord. Then the priest is to sacrifice the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from their uncleanliness After that, the priest shall slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar together with the grain offering and make atonement for them and they will be clean. Okay, here's
1: the cleansing cliff notes. (laughs) If you glazed over during that. This is the purification process to earn a clean rating. Each step advances the Israelite to a higher degree of purity. Day one, priest examines the person outside the camp. And if healed, the priest performs the live bird blood sprinkle. I thought that was gross. The live bird is actually dipped in the blood of the dead bird gross. Yeah. Then the priest announces the person clean. The person washes their clothes, shaves all their hair. I would have a problem with that. Bathes with water. Then they're declared ceremonially clean. They enter the camp, but they can't enter their tent for seven days. So I guess they sleep outside. Day seven, the person washes their clothes, shaves off everything again, even their eyebrows, bathes with water. I would have a problem with that shaving thing. And then they're declared clean. Day eight, they bring all the offerings to the entrance of the tent of meeting or tabernacle. The priest sacrifices a guilt offering, a burnt offering, and a grain offering. These three are often put together, and if you are confused, we do have a chart of all the offerings from earlier on in Leviticus, and you can view them or download them in the show notes. Finally, the priest performs the sin or purification offering, and voila, the infected Israelite is washed, atoned for, purified, and clean. Note that the process very much parallels the consecration of the priests who were cleansed in chapter 8 before they began their service in the tabernacle. So this is just the cleansing process. Note also that the phrase, and they will be clean, is stated three times in verse 8, 9, and 20. Threefold occurrences in ceremonies appears in the Bible to emphasize completeness of obedience, which we'll read more about later in the Bible from David, Solomon, and Elijah. But remember, it happened also in Peter's dream. This next section is a repeat for the Israelite who cannot
0: afford those super sacrifices. Verse 21, if however they are poor and cannot afford these, they must take one male lamb as a guilt offering to be waived to make atonement for them, together with a 10th of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil for a grain offering, a log of oil and two doves or two young pigeons, such as they can afford. One for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering. On the eighth day, they must bring them for their cleansing to the priests at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord the priest is to take the lamb for the guilt offering together with a log of oil and wave them before the Lord as a wave offering he shall slaughter the lamb for the guilt offering and take some of its blood and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot The priest is to pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand and with his right forefinger, sprinkle some of the oil from his palm seven times before the Lord. Some of the oil in his palm, he is to put on the same places he put the blood of the guilt offering, on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot. The rest of the oil in his palm, the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed to make atonement for them before the Lord. Then he shall sacrifice the doves or the young pigeons such as the person can afford. One as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering, together with a grain offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement before the Lord on behalf of the one to be cleansed. These are the regulations for anyone who has a defiling skin disease and who cannot afford the regular offerings of their cleansing. I just really hope back then they didn't catch as many
1: things as we catch. Because like I said, it so just be so much work as a parent. I had five kids. I would have been sleeping out in that tent outside the camp and doing these sacrifices every week because
0: one catches it the other catches it the other catches it it'd be terrible I bet they had to set up like you know special tents where they were like basically daycares outside where I the don't kids know. could go. And, or
1: maybe like, there just wasn't as much disease. That's my hope. But whether in the Old Testament or the New, I love that God has provisions and concerns for the poor. There's always those asides mm-hmm. for the
0: poor people. Okay, these are the purity laws for cleansing a mold. Verse 33, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I am giving you as your possession, and I put a spreading mold in a house in that land, the owner of the house must go and tell the priest, I have seen something that looks like defiling mold in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mold, so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. After this, the priest is to go in and inspect the house. He is to examine the mold on the walls, and if it is a greenish or reddish depressions that appear to be deeper than the surface of the wall, The priest shall go out the doorway of the house and close it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall return to inspect the house. If the mold is spread on the walls, he is to order that the contaminated stones be torn out and thrown into an unclean place outside the town. He must have all the inside walls of the house scraped and the material that is scraped off dumped into an unclean place outside the town. Then they are to take other stones to replace those and take new clay and plaster for the house. If the defiling mold appears in the house after the stones have been torn out and the house scraped and plastered, the priest is to go and examine it. If the mold is spread in the house, it is a persistent defiling mold. The house is unclean. It must be torn down. Its stones, timbers, and all the plaster and taken out of the town to an unclean place. Anyone who goes into the house while it is closed up will be unclean till evening. Anyone who sleeps or eats in the house. Must wash their clothes. But if the priest comes to examine it and the mold is not spread after the house has been plastered, he shall pronounce the house clean because the defiling mold is gone. To purify the house, he is to take two birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop. He shall kill one of the birds over fresh water in a clay pot. Then he is to take the cedarwood, the hyssop, the scarlet yarn and the live bird, dip them into the blood of the dead bird and the fresh water and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall purify the house with the bird's blood, the fresh water, the live bird, the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet yarn. Then he is to release the live bird in the open fields outside the town. In this way, he will make atonement for the house and it will be clean. So a little bit easier than a skin disease, um, especially because if it reappears, you just eliminate it. These are the regulations for any defiling skin disease, for a sore, for defiling molds in fabric or in house and for a swelling, a rash, or a shiny spot to determine when something is clean or unclean. These are the regulations for defiling skin diseases and defiling molds. There are so, so many regulations for ritual purity. We
1: have one more to go. Next week, we will discuss the impurity of male and female reproductive fluids, along with a look at the New Testament, which has a New Covenant cleanse. It's a full body detox that doesn't just
0: rejuvenate your body, it gives you a whole new one. I would say a full heart and body detox. You could say that. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible book club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, welcome Welcome to to the the club." club.